0: What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product and user experience. We interview founders and builders
1: to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. This show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant?
0: Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona, and I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io, that's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T.io, for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Pollyon. Now
1: on to today's show. In this episode, we speak with Tarek Bellamine and Kevin Kim, co-founders of Gossamer. Tarek is a full stack and Ethereum developer who was previously a Capital One and Pace Harmon and is passionate about personal finance, DeFi, and building cool things. Kevin is a product manager, designer, and front-end developer who was previously at Quartz and Facebook. He has a passion for applying research and user experience to product development. Kevin and Tarek met and became good friends at the University of Pennsylvania. They're passionate about DeFi, but are tired of it only being accessible to a few thousand people. To change that, they started Gossamer with the mission of making earning interest available to anyone with an internet connection. We discuss what they feel is inaccessible when it comes to DeFi today and how they are utilizing user research and user experience to solve those issues
0: with Gossamer. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Fork the Product. Today, we are speaking with Tarek Bellamine and Kevin Kim of Gossamer. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. To kick things off, I think it would be great if one or both of you would give us a quick overview of Gossamer. What is Gossamer?
2: Sure. Um, So right now, I'm using Compound or another Ethereum-based liquidity pool. Anyone with an internet connection can earn 6 to 14% about interest per year. Paid out every 15 seconds, no minimum deposits, no lockup periods. That's great, right? Um, that's a rate of return as good as investing uh, in the stock market or buying ETFs, but with the stability and consistency of a savings account. But there's data out there from Alethio that only about 10,000 people have ever done it. And we think that's kind of crazy. There's hundreds of millions, if not billions of people that would want access to those returns. And we think that's the case because a lot of the existing dApps in the space are built by Ethereum hobbyist experts for Ethereum hobbyist experts. Um, and we we want to change that with a focus on user experience. Um, so Gossamer, uh, we're focusing um, on letting you earn that APY by building UX-focused features into our product. You know? building uh, smart contract wallets for users so they don't have to download MetaMask or remember another formatic password. Um, insights uh, on the dashboard showing basic things like graphs of interest rate over time, bounce rate over time, the average interest rate you've earned. Kind of surprisingly, a lot of dApps in the space don't have insights like that. And just a focus on basic education, copy and content. We think a lot of dApps in the space assume a really high level of knowledge and familiarity Basic things like having helpful tooltips everywhere, having friendly onboarding uh, where we kind of figure out how much the user knows and then onboard them with the appropriate amount of context. And the near future, an email lifecycle strategy that helps educate people as they earn interest on customer. We think UX is a lot more than just design. And yeah, so that's why we're kind of attacking it from a lot of different angles.
1: Oh man, I really love that. And I I am going to ask you in a second about both of your backgrounds. But before I even do that, you know, I notice that you guys have a lot of content and messaging on your website, and even in the way that you've designed it around trying to bridge the gap for non-crypto people by comparing US savings account, high yield digital savings account, and so on. You know, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you guys thought about introducing that. And also, <laughs> and this may be a, a little bit funny, but I think you know, the direction that the U.S. stock market and therefore potentially the global stock market is heading and economies around the world. Um, would love to hear how you think about this in the broader context of the economy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So on your first point, um, we try to walk a line between having educational content for both a, a crypto audience and a non-crypto audience. So for a non-crypto audience, we kind of want to drive home the point that there's more to blockchain investing than just speculation. There's some really interesting real uh, opportunities out there such as blockchain that have simply been too difficult for a lot of people to access so what we're trying to do is make that as accessible to as many people as possible so yeah with gossamer we're just trying to automate those steps to, to make it so that if you don't really know how to use ethereum you don't you're not that familiar with blockchain uh with just a few clicks you can start earning and, and have this very real, tangible interaction with crypto and blockchain that you might have never had before. And for the more crypto audience, we're kind of kind of what Kevin said earlier, we're, we're trying to build the easiest way to use Compound and provide you the best insights that you can get anywhere. We're kind of thinking about this for a crypto audience as if you're looking for a way to educate somebody and onboard them onto Ethereum at the same time, we think we're building the best product to do that. Uh, We think education is really important. And um, we think the best way to do that is to get people comfortable with the technology, not shy away from the risks and the the complicated parts, but take the onus on you to make that
2: as approachable and accessible and easily explained as possible. We also think that the lines between crypto and non crypto users are pretty blurred. Um, There's a lot of estimates that say there's at least 50 million people out there in the world who own crypto. So there's 10,000 people who have ever deposited to Compound. That means developers who are building on Compound in the space and building interest earning products are building for the top 0.02% of crypto users. So there's a lot of people out there who have a little bit of crypto. They bought it during the market boom. Maybe they haven't been as plugged in recently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And
3: and to your second point about the, the macro environment that we're kind of entering right now and just the the impending uh, economic slowdown or whatever you'd like to refer to it as uh, we think that this is objectively a good deal the core of why we decided to build Gossamer is earning you know 7 to 13% is a good deal and it's it's accessible to anyone with an internet connection which is crazy so when we try to reconcile that with the fact that only 10,000 people have ever used it it just seemed obvious to us that like we should build something for this this is a real opportunity here 7 to 10% is a good deal no matter what especially in an environment where we're entering right now, where that's going to be, become increasingly more difficult to do, even more uh, what we think to be more riskier, you know, alternative investments.
0: All right. So I know that Zach wants to dig into your backgrounds a little bit more, but I, I do want to ask just a a quick follow-up on Gossamer itself. What's the origin of the name?
2: Hmm. Um, yeah, great question. Um, so Gossamer, it refers to... a sp- the silk that a spider generates for its web uh, and we were kind of going through our own naming exercise um we had a long list of names and uh we really liked gossamer we liked the kind of idea that it evokes you know in small strands of something kind of thinner and smaller kind of accumulating into something really strong and robust like a web um, also the idea of a safety net at the end of the day a lot of uh, startup names or tech company names are made up or, um, some somewhat random. Right. Um, but, but we really liked, um, the kind of feeling that it evoked.
0: That's great. Sounds, Sounds awesome. Awesome. Right?
2: Gossamer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what do you mean? Pinterest isn't a real word.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very cool. Uh, yeah. So to get us back on track, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and how you guys came to found and get up and running with Gossamer.
3: Yeah, Uh, Kevin and I actually met back in college. Uh, We lived on the same hall freshman year. I was studying engineering at the time, and after that, went on to work in tech consulting and then finance. Uh, I was most recently managing a team at Capital One's data strategy and innovation team.
2: I'm a developer and designer. Uh, My last role, I was a product manager at Quartz, the news and media company for most of our consumer-facing products. Um, Before that, I worked a few years doing uh, growth at Facebook.
0: So, guys, going back to the idea of the macro view, right, and the objectively good deal here, it's certainly hard to argue with. I think for maybe the the mass market type of audience who we hope will embrace crypto at some level down the road, I think for a lot of them, they're seeing um, or haven't seen the value or the benefits yet of decentralization, and so, I'm curious. When you're framing this as an opportunity, you talked a lot about user education and bringing them on board and helping them see a better way with crypto. So, how does decentralization, uh, through the way that you explain it to the user, how does decentralization make the value proposition different or better than a centralized alternative outside of, you know, the, the objectively good deal?
3: Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think that the most, you know, analogous centralized alternative is actually an everyday bank that people are very familiar with. Uh, you, you might not think about, uh, your deposits this way, but having worked at a bank, I know that when you deposit your money at a bank account, the bank then lends that money out to people who want loans. Those people pay the bank interest. The bank gives a small fraction of that back to you to the tune of about 0.09 to 2% interest and kind of keeps the rest as profit. Uh, you need the bank as this trusted middleman to make sure that people actually pay you back and that you can generate this interest. You need someone in the center there to to be like the objective middleman third party. What decentralization does is it allows you to cut out the need for that trusted middleman. There's no rent seeking involved here. Gossamer is built on Compound, it's powered by Compound, which cuts out the need for that middleman entirely and safely connects lenders and borrowers without anyone in the middle to take a cut. So it's a better proposition for both parties and wouldn't be possible without Compound's decentralized approach. Um, They're using Ethereum smart contracts to govern and enforce these interactions that would have traditionally been done by a bank. So that's kind of how we explain uh, why decentralization is needed here. Uh, This is also how we explain to our more uh, non-crypto native users the core of what's happening with Compound. Because at the end of the day, uh, the mechanisms for how it happens can be kind of complicated, but at at its root, you're just lending out your money to somebody. And everything else is just making sure that Uh, that process goes as smoothly as it can and as it's intended.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: In previous conversations uh, before we came on the show, I was really impressed with the way that you guys were thinking about and conducting user research and thinking about real target market and target users and personas. So can you walk us through what your thinking was behind that and um, how you're going about validating that what you're building is solving a real problem for those target users?
2: Sure. Um, well, so the first thing is um, both Tarek and I are developers, but we also have a background around user and customer research. So for me, um, you know, back in the day, I interned at Microsoft's Cortana team doing user research. Uh, I went on research trips across four continents at Facebook, and I drove a lot of courses, user research. Tarek, um, the data and innovation team that I managed. I did a lot of CX as well. Um, So we both kind of have a bit of that background. Um, So that's kind of why we focus a lot on user interviews early, both kind of just trying to understand um, what they think about crypto, how they think about their crypto and how they use exchanges. And it's just in general, how they think about their traditional investments and their mental models. Yeah. So we did a lot of user interviews up front. We kind of started thinking about our users not just in terms of how familiar with crypto they were, but other axes as well, like their level of risk tolerance or their level of financial knowledge and how active of an investor they were. Um, So after uh, a bunch of iteration, um, yeah, we, we kind of, so, you know, obviously everything's still fluid, right? We're, we're still in alpha. We're not fully out to the public yet. Also the space is so new, Um, but we're thinking about a few main profiles um, for our app. Um, So, The first, um, crypto traders who want to hedge with us when prices are high, they may use centralized exchanges and don't want to use complicated Ethereum extensions like MetaMask. Another, um, people who work in blockchain or crypto and want to use DeFi and want to try earning with DeFi and believe in blockchain, but maybe aren't tech savvy enough or just don't care enough to use MetaMask or DEPS, which actually is a lot of people. We also have people who kind of, they may work in tech or tech enabled industry um, they have income to invest. They believe in blockchain, and they want to diversify away from equities. Part of their compensation might be in equities, or they might use robo advisors like Wealthfront or Betterment that are kind of geared towards those types of people. And then the group that we think that we're looking into that not many other um, not many other DApps are are just more traditional investors who may work in finance, may work in consulting. They actively manage their portfolio. Maybe they're not even super familiar with blockchain and crypto yet. But they're interested in alternative investment that could yield them up to 13% APY and is not correlated with the stock market. As Tarek says, that just kind of speaks to them.
0: Kevin, if I could go back to one thing you uh, were talking about in, with regard to research. So given that you have a pretty extensive background in trying to understand people's behaviors and digging in on, on insights and getting underneath mental models, I'm curious, has this project prompted you to try any new sort of techniques or Approaches to collecting that qualitative feedback from people.
2: Yeah, actually. So, um, uh, last year at DevCon in Prague, I gave a speech about exactly that topic. Uh, the The talk was called "Gorilla User Research," and it kind of the thesis was that, um, like, listen, user research—that sounds complicated. That sounds academic. It sounds like you have to learn all these formal techniques to do so. But yet, at the end of the day, you're just collecting feedback from people. Um, and just just doing that and kind of taking care of your business with basic tools like surveys and customer support chat, uh, following up with people on email. That that really is um, all you need when you start out. So yeah, yeah, we've been a little less focused on um, kind of new and creative types of user research and. Just because we're so early, we're really just kind of sticking to the core, really understanding our customers, being obsessed with them, asking them questions, constantly bugging them for feedback. Yeah, We think
3: that the fundamentals can kind of take you most of the way there, honestly. Um, so we're just really focused on applying those as best as we can to a space where we feel like uh, not a lot of people are doing that.
1: I actually would like to hear a little bit more about what you guys presented on at DevCon and... Also, almost more so, what was the reaction? What was, what were like the follow-up conversations that you guys had after you presented that with, uh, particularly the audience at DevCon?
2: Yeah, so this was last year, and this, this is actually just completely independent from Gossamer. I was still at Quartz, um, but at that point, I was you know pretty enmeshed with the uh, the Ethereum community, um, so they they invited me over to talk about it. So yeah, I mean, at its core. There's a lot of really smart developers in crypto and blockchain, and a lot of them are there for the right reasons, and um, they're, they're supremely intelligent and highly motivated. But you know, a lot of them haven't necessarily worked at companies um, or been in the situation where they've seen user research done the right way. And so I think it was just a matter of making the idea of user research seem more approachable to people. Uh, I think when a lot of developers think about user research, they imagine these complex kind of card sorting techniques or complex usability tests. Post-it notes. So many post-it notes. Yeah, a lot lot of brainstorming. Like it seems a little, little fluffy. But really, it's just it's it's just psychology. If you believe in psychology, then you should believe in user research. Um, a lot of user researchers at the big companies they're psychology PhDs. Um, they use formal techniques that scientists have developed over over hundreds of years. Um, so it's really just it's just psychology. Um, so yeah, the talk's just centered around making user research approachable for people and giving people bite-sized techniques and tasks that they could use. Just everything from sending automated surveys to using customer support chat. How to conduct a basic um, usability session for your kind of wireframe or your app, dispelling a lot of myths. And yeah, and then afterwards, I we had a few people from a few of the a few crypto startups, a few ICO funded startups come on. Um, actually, there there were a few user researchers there as well, so they kind of came up and um, asked me a few follow up questions. Um, yeah, it was great. I mean, I think the focus on design and UX as a whole in the space is really improving. Um, it's come a long way.
0: I would definitely agree with that. Yeah.
1: Uh, You guys are in the early stages, but you're looking to take Gossamer to market. So can you talk us through how you're thinking about go-to-market and who your beachhead users are and how you're thinking about trying to roll it out with those beachhead users and beyond?
2: Yeah. So we actually, I mean, we've just been handling this in a way that's different than many blockchain and crypto companies. We've noticed that a lot of these companies, even dApps, they kind of start off by building a landing page and making a medium posts and tweeting out uh, before they have a product. Um, they kind of announce uh, very early and then they, they kind of write content, try to build a community, and then eventually kind of release the product uh, and, and go from there. We've taken an approach that's more focused on product iteration. Um, so we've had a working product on mainnet with real money for almost two months now. Um, But we've been uh, in alpha mode with our group of alpha users, you know, understanding their needs, iterating on the products, just really heads down and being focused on that uh, as opposed to spending time, you know, trying to get more followers or uh, engaging with the community. In the near future, our next milestone is we want to launch a public beta. We think that that could happen in a few weeks. And our goal there is, you know, just to just to expand past our. Um, loyal and useful group of alpha users, kind of take on more users, test our hypotheses on the value our product delivers. I I think um, we'll kind of rely more uh, on organic growth in the beginning. And then um, we have a few ideas for acquisition based on the types of users um, that we really resonate with. So for example, an area that we don't think a lot of blockchain companies have looked at are is the personal finance community. Uh, It's it's a big area. There's lots of influencers. Uh, I think the term is called, is it fire? Fire
3: lifestyle, yep.
2: Yeah, the financial financial independence. Um, We think um, there's a lot of overlap with uh, a really flexible, no minimums, futuristic product like Gossamer and those types of people who they, they just want a good return and they just want something easy. Um, we also are looking into a referral-based program. We know that a lot of people learn about investing through their friends and family. It's a very relationship oriented thing where you rely on people that you trust to teach you more. Uh, and we know that a lot of popular fintech companies like Robinhood, Wealthfront, Acorns, they, they focus a lot on referrals as a, a channel for user acquisition. So that's something we're going to look into more as well.
0: I think that one of the things that we've definitely seen from a lot of other projects is that they invest heavily in their community development um and often that becomes their sort of flywheel for growth as time goes on. so it sounds like you guys are thinking about this in a different manner, but does community development end up on your roadmap, and if so, how?
2: yeah, I mean, I think over time it definitely will you know we're still very early stages we're still uh we have we have these user profiles that we're resonating with at the moment, but um, we need to kind of confirm these hypotheses at scale in the near term, though, you know we've seen even a bunch of dapps they have um they have discords, they spend a lot of time answering questions on discord. Um, like that, for example, we're not necessarily sure that we wanna um, we wanna invest our time into early as long as we could talk to the customer via customer support chat uh, and other channels. we think it's a little less important for. Other people using our app to interact with each other right because we're not like a protocol with a developer community um, it's, it's a bit of a different thing but some of these steps seem to have created discords anyway so yeah and I think over time community will be important. I don't know how you distinguish between engaging with existing communities versus kind of fostering our own community but community is definitely important yeah we
3: just to add on to that we, we definitely love to build you know a strong community around a a strong product that's helping to solve problems. Uh, What we don't want to do is build a community around the promise of a product or (laughs) or the the theory of a product. Uh, So we're really just focusing on nailing the product experience first, building something that's useful and that people can kind of coalesce around before actually kind of going through the motions of building that community based on just theory and promise.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense, and I don't blame you for not wanting to spend time there if it doesn't directly support the value proposition for your users. It it can turn into such a a time suck for a lot of teams just managing that that whole process.
3: Yeah, we're we're both in several discords, and you know, we we firsthand, you know, what what some people have to detract. Um, people have to kind of take time away from their daily jobs to stop coding and and answer a bunch of questions that could be answered in FAQ. Uh, but instead, they're doing it through their Discord. So yeah, it's it's a balance that we're definitely thinking about. We, we've seen some communities that really do need it because they're trying to engage developers and kind of help them along in the process. But for us, we just didn't feel like it made a ton of sense right now.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I haven't been really exposed to like an open source development community, which I clearly is the closest proxy to the crypto community. Um, but man, I have... You know dug into many discord, many slack and um, all sorts of channels, and the signal to noise ratio is pretty uh, terrifying and it hadn't really crystallized in my mind until you you just mentioned it, but I certainly have wondered how some of these teams really prioritize their time and deal with all of the noise that inevitably comes in there. so yeah, just really interesting point um, so You know, I guess to transition to another topic, what are the biggest challenges that you're working through at the moment? And, you know, we want to leave this open-ended, so feel free to dive in on anything from how you're thinking about building this as a business, gaining user adoption, community development, whatever you think.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, So as Kevin kind of mentioned before, we've done a lot of user research and we've done quite a few user interviews. Uh, There's still a lot more to do but uh, by virtue of that, we've come to some pretty good hypotheses, we think, for where our product market fit might be. But we still recognize that we're, we're nowhere near that yet. Like, our biggest focus right now and our, the challenge that we're trying to overcome is just figuring out this product market fit to the best of our abilities. So that, I would say that that's where most of our focus is right now. Um, and definitely the biggest challenge I'd say we have, as well as you know, arguably the space might have.
2: Another challenge we're working through um, is just kind of Coinbase. Um, So as we described, um, whether it's complete crypto newbies or people who bought some crypto during the boom but just aren't very active, uh, Coinbase uh, equals crypto or blockchain for a lot of people. And so a lot of our users are depositing to Gossamer from Coinbase. And there's a few aspects of Coinbase uh, that are proving to be small challenges for us right now. Um, for example, um, if you want to put money into Coinbase, deposit into Gosmer and then convert back to cash and withdraw out of Coinbase, fees can be as high as 3 to 4% end-to-end. Um, Coinbase also um, doesn't quite handle congestion uh, on the Ethereum blockchain uh, in the best way, and their API also isn't necessarily the most up-to-date. Um, so. Yeah, we're just kind of dealing with different types of barriers uh, as we recognize that Coinbase uh, is going to be the way that a lot of people interact with our app. Yeah,
3: uh, just to just to add on there, we're we're trying to bridge the gap almost between like a necessarily, well, I don't know, arguably necessarily centralized fiat on ramp such as Coinbase and a decentralized product. Um, so. We're kind of having to deal with challenges in both of these worlds. So we've seen users try to deposit from Coinbase that have had their transactions held up because of fraud alerts. So that's, that's like a concept you never really think about when you're building a decentralized product. Like there is no centralized party that can you know, stop your transaction or slow it from happening. But we've noticed that, hey, we, we kind of have to deal with this for our, or help our users deal with this. Um, so th- those were things that we didn't necessarily expect that have kind of popped up as challenges. Um, and also the fees, as Kevin mentioned too, like if you're trying to create a product, that's going to bring seven to 10% to people, but they're losing three to 4% in this conversion. Obviously that, that diminishes your value proposition a lot. So from a technical standpoint, we're, we're working towards ways to mitigate that as best as we can for users. Um, just, uh, like something we're working on right now actually is a coinbase integration uh, to just make that process as seamless as possible for people who might not have a ton of uh, crypto experience but have a coinbase account. So you know theoretically all they would need to to become a gosmer user is a coinbase account. Uh, so that's that's why the issues with Coinbase are something that we've uh, started to understand and um, start to think more about uh, recently.
2: We've had no less than no less than four users. Um, t- try to deposit $5,000 or more, and their transaction just gets held up by Coinbase for 72 hours. It's, um, it's it's yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're happy. That- you
1: mean Bank of America or American Express, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. that, that's a whole other thing too, where we would like this to be as instantaneous as possible. Like, you know, you can deposit from your in, in an ideal world, people would be able to deposit directly from their bank account to Gossamer. And we hope to make that a reality at some point in the future. Uh, but for now, uh, we, we understand that a lot of people interact with crypto through Coinbase. So we want to kind of meet people where they're at. But the, the downsides of that are, are numerous. and Like, like Kevin mentioned, the, there's the fees. But also uh, just depositing, like linking a bank account and depositing can be a 10-day process. So that's, uh, that's, that's quite lengthy. Uh, in terms of thinking about, hey, if, if we've done our job and convinced users that Gosmer is a great deal and they want to sign up, there's this almost unavoidable 10-day waiting period where we have to keep them engaged and um, kind of pull them through the funnel uh, lest they drop off while, while waiting for their ACH to clear or their, their fraud transaction to be cleared by Coinbase.
0: So Tarek, I, I want to go back to something that you talked about a moment ago. So you said you're, you guys are obviously juggling a lot and you're, you're working hard to focus and prioritize to the best of your abilities. You're a small team right now. And with any small team, you know, I think you really have to maximize your output as often as possible. So I'm curious, between the two of you, uh, what skills are, are most useful in getting the day to day done while you build a product in the crypto and the DeFi space?
2: you know, I've, I've worked as a product manager, um, Tarek's, uh, managed, uh, you know, a high performing team at a big company. Um, so just man- prioritizing our time and our managing our priorities is something that's top of mind for us. So for example, at Facebook, when I first got to Facebook, I was like, wow, you know, this is a super fast moving company, Um, churning out tons of code, iterating super quickly on the product, just growing so fast. I wonder what their processes are like. They must have a ton of just crazy and super intricate processes. It turns out Facebook's utter chaos. Um, These teams are pretty decentralized from one another. Quote unquote processes are pretty casual. You know, people are sitting in rooms Are like, oh, we should probably like analyze this data or like fix this or do that. Like, all right, like well, let's do that. And let's, let's talk about that in a few days. Things, things are really casual. And so I was really surprised at first, but I think in terms of lean methodology, um, just buying into the concept or idea that most decisions are reversible and should be made relatively quickly. uh, And then you can kind of test it, um, get feedback on that decision and then change that decision if necessary. Just figuring out which decisions should be quick and decisive and which, um, which kind of, Few important decisions should be have a, deserve a little more deliberation. I think has been pretty key to us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And with regards to our process, uh, usually what that looks like is um, Kevin and I kind of planning out all the things we want to do for the week uh, on something like Trello, and then just being pretty relentless and uh, pretty aggressive with what we think is going to deliver the most impact for that week. So that's that's kind of a question we always ask ourselves: like, is this the most impactful thing we could be doing with our time right? Now? Um, that's that's a very very important question when you're just a two-person team and there's a million things to get done on so many different fronts from you know backend development in this Coinbase integration and then switching over to you know doing user research uh, in the next couple of minutes um, to you know moving on and, and doing something completely unrelated like maybe you know drafting a medium post for a launch or something along those lines so there's a lot of context switching so what what we try to always do is. Make sure that we're we're working towards tangible goals and always asking ourselves the question of, is this the most impactful thing we can be doing with our time right now?
0: I do want to follow that up quickly with one uh, additional question, which would be, you know, I think any startup, whether you're in blockchain or not, is dealing with that kind of pressure and, and has to constantly manage time and context switch like that. It strikes me, though, that in the blockchain space, particularly in the DeFi space, or really any product that's handling massive amounts of value, you need that time for deep work because you need to think... Deeply about the decisions that you're making at a product level and the code that you're putting into your product. So, are you guys intentional about setting aside that time for deep work?
3: Yeah, we absolutely are. Uh, Exactly like you just said, there are definitely portions of work uh, when it comes to development that you kind of just need five uh, undisturbed hours of, of work, lest you you know lose your train of thought and forget you know where you where you can pick back up. And next thing you know, your your code is completely unintelligible and you've lost track of what you're doing. So we're, we're very intentional of in terms of splitting up our time. We kind of have periods of the day in which we kind of know that, uh, either I or Kevin prefer to kind of do our deep work. I'm more of like a night person. So sometime between, you know, after 10 PM, we kind of, kind of just know that that's the, that's the time I'm going to take to just kind of go deep on whatever I'm working on from like a, a end development perspective. And, uh, We've just kind of come to, it's easy when you're a two-person team to understand each other's rhythms and know how to work well with one another, but we're definitely very intentional with regards to setting aside time to just to do that deep work. You know, we, we sit right across from each other at the end of the day. Uh, we uh, we're talking, you know, for most of the day. So um, keep, keeping in sync is, is not that much of an issue, but, uh, you know, when, when the headphones come on, uh, that's a signal to the other person that, hey, I'm, I'm kind of deep in something right now. You should probably text me if you've got something to say.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tarek's going into matrix mode. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we also recognize that, um, you know, we're we're not fully out to the public yet. Um, so sure, we we have our users, and some occasionally we have fire drills where um, we need to answer a lot of their questions. But um, we're not facing the scrutiny of the wider public or the press, and so we don't have thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of users to deal with. So. It is a little easier now uh, than yeah. it will be in the future. Yeah, we definitely foresee this being uh, a challenge that grows more difficult with
3: time. But uh, for now, we found a system that works for us.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if you're not intentional about that now um, and set the tone now, you're screwed later.
0: Yeah, it um, doesn't get any better down the road. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You guys are clearly in the early stages. I I think we've talked a little bit about what you guys are thinking about in the future in terms of funding to the extent that you're open to sharing. would love to hear uh, where you guys stand on that and what that process has been like for you.
2: Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, we've been having a bunch of productive conversations with a lot of smart investors in the space. Uh, At a very high level, investors do seem to be Uh, moving mainly from focusing on protocols with token models uh, and becoming a little more focused on dApps. A few DeFi dApps actually recently raised seed rounds. And yeah, we're glad that people in the space see it that way. Um, That technology in a vacuum is only so useful without the abstraction of that technology to solve real people's problems. Um, So yeah, right now we're a bit more focused uh, on our upcoming public beta launch. That's kind of the milestone that we're working towards and our heads down on. Yeah, and generally speaking, I, I think uh, we've we've seen
3: more uh, VC equity funding uh, in the ecosystem. Uh, as Kevin said, you know, a couple of couple of DApps out there have recently raised seed rounds. So, uh, just generally speaking, that we I think we're kind of seeing more of a shift from this uh, this token investment model to um, to this VC equity model, and with it, uh, some more recognizable business plans, or at least a little bit more scrutiny in terms of um the business models for these apps rather than just build it and they will come with the which was you know essentially the the token model.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Guys, this has been an excellent conversation. And I think we're we're coming up toward the end. I, I know we're a little tight on time. We like to close out with two questions. So and you know, I'll throw these out there and you guys can tackle them in tandem or you can divide them however you wish. But the first one is What keeps you up at night in terms of uh, problems or questions that come along with Cosmer?
2: For me, uh, the thing that keeps me up most at night is just combating the wave of emotions that people who are not familiar with blockchain and crypto feel when faced with blockchain or crypto interfaces or products. Doing something as basic as sending a transaction from one exchange to another or an, uh, an exchange to another wallet even, even for someone like me, who's been in the space for a while, it's scary. Um, I'm on the edge of my seat when I fire it off. Um, I'm, I'm anxious and nervous as the transaction's happening. And then I feel a big moment of relief when I see that it's been successfully moved to the exchange. And that's with me knowing a lot about the space and um, trusting the technology. Um, when, when we try to convince regular people about it, obviously, you know there's a perception um, risk of people thinking, buying crypto is similar to gambling or hearing about exchange hacks. And so just just the fundamental um, idea of being able to overcome these emotional responses and these issues, um, yeah, I mean, that makes me nervous. And, you know, frankly, that's not a problem that's been solved today. And so we're literally trying to solve a problem that no one has solved, especially if you narrow the problem down to DeFi or earning interest. No, no one solved that problem. So yeah, that's what keeps me up.
3: Yeah, in a similar vein, we have this thesis for Gossamer that if we can combine a great, easy, simple UX with um, education about what it is they're really doing, that we can reach users that people haven't been able to reach before. So something that keeps me up at night uh, in a similar vein to Kevin is, can we get people comfortable with what's happening here? Um, Getting people to think critically about their finances is hard enough as is. Um, But on top of that, it's can we take something that's relatively complex and explain it to people in a way that um, is approachable, but also is informative enough that we feel confident that they're making um, decisions with all the right with all the information they really need to. So, yeah, can, can we really bridge that gap? Can we clearly articulate to people why? this is better than gambling and why this is objectively a good deal. And can we message things in a way that can overcome some of the stigma of crypto?
2: At the end of the day, though, um, it does keep me up at night, but it also is the same thing that keeps driving me and keeps driving me to wake up every morning and start working on this. If I'm on my deathbed, I'm hundred years old, 120 years old maybe with advanced technology. But uh, <laughs> uh, if I didn't take a crack at this um, right now in 2019, I don't know if I would be able to forgive myself. I find it personally very inspiring to feel like I'm I'm a soldier fighting on the front lines um, of trying to abstract away this complex technology for users. Uh, it's exciting to be on the bleeding edge of technology. Um, so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, that's what hey, Amen, brother.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah,
2: <laughs> super, super exciting.
0: All right, guys. So, final question: If you fast forward five years from today, how is the world different with Cosmere in it? Yeah,
3: yeah, that's, it's kind of a hard question to answer when you're still kind of looking for that product market fit. But the hope is that we've built a financial platform that makes, you know, a variety of non speculative blockchain investment opportunities available to anyone, you know, from California to developing countries like Morocco, we want people all over the world to be able to build a more stable financial future for themselves. And that just starts making things easy and informative. And yeah, that's where we would love to be in five years. You know, blockchain can theoretically be accessed by anyone, uh, but in practice is only accessible to, you know, very few of us. And so we just, we want to bring the potential of what this technology can do in terms of transforming people's financial lives to as many people as we can.
0: That's awesome, guys. And again, thank you so much for the time. One last thing uh, for our listeners. Where can they go to find Gossamer? Where will they be able to find Gossamer? Or where can they check you guys out?
3: Yeah, they can find us at www.usegossamer.com.
2: You can uh, get started, uh, make your deposit, and start earning up to 13% APY in uh, less than 10 minutes.
0: Awesome. That is certainly compelling. (laughs) Guys, thank you again for your time. It's been a great conversation. Happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time.